you only have a few more days until 2018. What if I told you you could have the entire year, all of 2018, programmed out for you in terms of exercise? In other words, you could start the year off knowing exactly what exercises and workouts and what things to focus on and having you know trainers demo exercises for you for the entire year. You could literally make 2018 the most fit year of your life with Mind Pump's expert programming, with our MAPS programs. We have something called the MAPS Super Bundle, which includes several of our MAPS programs. And when you do them in order, your body progresses and it becomes stronger. You get better mobility, better aesthetics, fat loss. We move you through the process through that entire year. Your workouts are different every between two to four weeks. So things change all the time with your workouts. It's not boring. You have videos with me, Adam, and Justin demonstrating exercises, teaching you how to do everything in the programs the way that only experienced personal trainers can do. This is the best bundle we offer if you're trying to get 2018 settled. Now, if you're serious about this, this is what you do. Go to mindpumpmedia.com, get yourself signed up for the MAPS Super Bundle. One last thing, all of our programs come with a 30-day guarantee. So if you're kind of iffy or if you haven't been consistent in the past, I recommend getting enrolled in the Super Bundle and do it for the first 30 days, like follow the program for 30 days. And if it doesn't blow your mind, if it's something that you don't think you could stick with, return it, no questions asked. Again, you can find this at mindpumpmedia.com. If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. Our good friend Josh Trent from Wellness Force Podcast, uh, highly recommended. We interview um, JJ. JJ is uh, the host of a podcast, Fit to Love Podcast. She's also written some books, one of which is the Invisible Fitness Formula. Um, she's uh, she's her take on fitness is right along lines with ours. She's got a lot of experience in this industry. We had some great uh, conversation with her in this episode. You can find her website. Uh, it's jjflizanes.com. I'll spell that for you. It's jjflizanes.com. Um, so without any further ado, here we are talking to JJ Flizanes. Tell us about your show first and why you started it. I started my show because as a trainer for 20 years, I was feeling stuck and stifled. I wanted to talk about many different aspects. I'm all about integration. And when I started as a trainer, of course, I started down the path of the science. For and, 20 years? What did you train at? Uh, New York Sports Club. Oh, oh cool. You're from New York. Yeah. Oh, excellent. excellent. We, we, were tra- we were all trainers at the same time then, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, no, I heard you guys are all 24 hour fitness. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, but I was New York Sports Club. Which is that like a 24 over there? Yeah. T- uh, Town Sports International at the time, I don't know what they're doing now, had New York Sports Club, Washington Sports Club. Oh, there were two more. Um, maybe Chicago. So similar EFT else. model, something. A I think they're feet. a higher. I think they're a little bit higher. Higher end class more. or higher end, yeah. Yeah, more like a club one. Probably. And they had they had a higher end called the Vertical Clubs, and they were sort of the sports club LA. They it's were like, like the next level. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I actually worked for the Vertical Club first before, because mm-hmm. um, I, I worked for Bally's first. Oh, oh wow. there we go. That's okay. Nineteen ninety. Six. I started yes. working for Bally's. Very cool. Yeah. And uh, I went from Bally's to the city, to the Vertical Club in New York City, and then from the Vertical Club to uh, New York Sports Club. I actually even became director of education. 
and I was teaching trainers because they had they were moving at such a rapid speed of opening gyms and hiring trainers. They just wanted people with good personalities, not necessarily education or even certification. Mm-hmm. So they're like, can you create a certification program, uh, me and other people, and uh, and we'll make them go through this in order for them to get to the next pay level. Mm-hmm. And But we do want them to still get a national recognized certification. So uh, yeah, it was a lot be- before I was like 22. Uh, I was doing a lot of stuff. And so why did I start my show? Because Obviously, over those years, I asked questions because that's just who I am in terms of like, why? Why this? Why that? Why do you want this? Why do you like this? Why not this? I also go by intuitive feelings and something never felt right about making it about the way that you looked only. You were like this in your 20s? Yeah, oh, that's wow. great. I was very oh. self-aware, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and but it, but I'm the ad annoying kid though that asked all those questions and people, we all are. and people didn't have answers. <laughs> yeah. You're in good company. Okay, good. Well, you are podcasters, you know. Yeah. Podcasters <laughs> and trainers probably is like the best world because right. I means, challenge you. Right, yeah, that's what we do. <laughs> right, concepts and yeah. understanding. And so you know, fast forward, it's now I've written two books, and I still I, I'm trying to like coach my clients. And besides the food part, there's the the mindset part. And mind you, it's all the stuff I've learned for myself. Mm-hmm. It's not stuff that I tried to teach them that I didn't experience or didn't use on myself first. And so here I am wanting to talk about all these things. And they're like, no, no, no. I hired you to help me lose weight and to t- teach me how to exercise. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to know about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was so frustrating. And I, I, I felt like what I think is like a backed up hose. You know, like you turn the water on a hose mm-hmm. and then you, you, you uh, clench it, it yeah. you kink it, right? And it, it's all that pulsating energy wants to come out, but you're, you've closed it off. Here I am with all this information and I didn't know what to do with it. And I didn't know where to go with it. I didn't know how to make it happen. And I had went to a, word, a writer's workshop for a new book, for my third book. And, uh, and the second book, by the way, had been put down because the publisher stopped publishing and I needed to find a new publisher and I didn't. So I thought, just, just put it down. Walk away. It'll come when it's ready. So I go to this writer's workshop and I learn about podcasting. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, that's where I can put it on a podcast. I can do video. I can do audio. I can do five days a week. I can do six days a week. And I was off and running. And, uh, and so that's how that happened. It was just, I, I kind of thought, I'm all about putting out the content. And at least let me get it out. Let me get out what I teach, what I try to, I don't want to write. Blogging is not my thing. Mm-hmm. I can write, but I'd much rather talk. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. you, you, you've been in fitness as, uh, as long as I have in terms of, you know, personal training or whatever. And did you, so I, the path that I went along through fitness was, like a lot of trainers, what motivated me initially were, was my own insecurities with my own body. That's why I started working out. I thought I was too skinny, wanted to build muscle, but I also loved people. So I was training people and doing all that. And through that process over the years, I started to identify uh, the real truths behind fitness, the real motivations, what, how, what really gets people healthy, what really gets people fit, also what really does it for myself. And it evolved through this process to where it is today. Did you start in a similar way and evolve or were you always in it the way you are now? No, I was an actor. I heard you guys talking to Rob and I did video. I did Google that, that thing that he was in that commercial as you guys were talking about it. Um, I, I was in the acting world and what I realized early on was that I needed a job that wasn't waiting tables. I, I realized later on that I have like 50% right and left brain. And so there's a part of me that needs to be physical and be doing things and be performing. I've been performing since I was three but the other part of me is to be problem solving. Like there was the left side that was like, no, you need to problem solve. You need to figure something out. And prior to personal training, I didn't think I was that smart in a science way. Mm-hmm. 
And then when I started to learn personal training and I went to my first National Academy of Sports Medicine uh, at the time in 1997. Which was the business <clears throat> back then. Yeah. I mean, that was, was like the, the gold that, standard. It was the gold yeah. standard for sure. Do you guys remember Tom Purvis? Oh, no. 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 Neil. Neil Spruce. Neil Spruce, Tom yeah, Purvis. Yeah. Yep, okay. yep, yep, yep. Yeah. I was with all those guys. I remember Neil Spruce from Apex. That's how I got my Apex certification <laughs> Apex. way back when he was yep. Apex Nutrition. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, so I was a big, uh, you know, I got under the wing of Tom Purvis and then I stayed there for a long time uh, because he made science and when he taught science, it was a way that I understood it because it was in the body. And sure. so all of a sudden now I'm, now I'm really interested in helping others, but it didn't come necessarily from me feeling so insecure. I'm not saying I don't have body shame mm -hmm. or that I didn't have... Uh, wanted to look better, especially as an actor. I dated a gymnast in college and I've been a dancer my whole life. So I had strong muscular legs, but I have a picture of me and him together. And I had these like really skinny arms and it was really like, look like a pear because I was, had no muscle on the top, but I had all this muscle on the bottom. And he said something in a very nice way. Like you may want to build some muscle. And I, I thought, oh, okay. Like I didn't, I wasn't offended by it. And then I went to work in retail God help me. And the retail person that with me said, let's go get a job at the gym because then we can get a free membership. And I was like, okay. And so we get a job at the gym and I'm at the front desk and I'm multitasking like a pro and I see the trainers. And I went, whoa, whoa, I, how do I get to do that? And so they gave me a number here, take the ACE test, mm -hmm. right? So here's the ACE test. And I remember not passing it the first mm -hmm. time. And then I thought, Okay. And it was mostly about business. Like, don't get sued. Do you want to be a sole proprietor? Do you want to be an LLC? I'm like, <laughs> All the liability what? stuff. Yeah. And it wasn't really that specific about health. And then I fast forward and I'm taking it again. Didn't study anymore. Passed it. I'm like, hmm, interesting. Walk into the gym at the Vertical Club in New York City. My manager at the time was a physical therapist. She looks at all the equipment and I'm looking at thinking I'm a certified personal trainer and I don't know what to do with any of that. Right. That's a problem. Mm -hmm. right. So then she proceeded to teach me some things. And of course, I don't know what I didn't know or what she knew. And one of my other personal trainers there, I was working with a woman and doing all the stupid things that you do when you don't know anything. And I knew I didn't know anything. It's like I'm keeping, trying to keep a little profile. And Martin comes up and he says, JJ, come here. So why did you choose that exercise? And, and then I answered it and he said, and, and was that woman prepared for that? You know, does she have the right kind of hip stability to do that exercise? And I was like, oh my God, I'm found out. Mm -hmm. So then he puts to a machine, he goes, okay, explain what's going on here. And it was a, it was a row. And I remember, I guessed and I guessed right. But the fact that I guessed and I was really like, oh my God, I said, okay, Martin, where do I get this information? And that's when he sent me off to NASM. Mm -hmm. So part of, for me, the personal training industry gave me confidence in my ability to learn and my ability to know science. Mm -hmm. And then, and then I was really good at it and it was easy and it was much easier than any science I'd ever taken in school or math. And, and again, like I was good at it. So that's what it, it gave me confidence. Yeah. So, I mean, for, for me, when I started in training, it was started with my bodybuilding information that I got from magazines. Then I went the science route, like you, took these certifications and courses, and then I became inundated and uh, dogmatic about the science of fitness, macros, calories, proteins, fats, carbs. That's really all that matters. And you know, and as I continued along my path with training, all I started realizing- All the stuff that was driven by aesthetics, right? That was, it was all aesthetics, but it was also like yeah. very, I remember I'd take the classes and the courses in nutrition and they'd be like, no, it's calories in versus calories out. That's pretty mm -hmm. much it. Mm -hmm. Here's your macros. That's pretty much it. Like it was nothing about food quality. There was nothing about the psychology behind, you know, fitness. It was all about move more, eat less. And I became very dogmatic about it because that's what I was being taught. And then, but as I'm training people, I'm realizing like, this isn't working very well. Like why? And at first I thought to myself, it's because people are just, they're just lazy. They're just not motivated enough. They're just not, you know, people just don't want to do the work. And, but I, as I continue to start to realize like, 
It's, there's, there, it's more important to understand the psychology behind what we're doing. Food quality is extremely important. It's not all just about calories and macros, but it took me a while to learn all that. It, did, it, really took, it took me like 10 years before I started, things yeah. really started to click. So he came from that, that background sense. more with the bodybuilder aesthetic kind of focus. I think for me, it's always been about performance driven, like athletic pursuits. And so that was sort of my background and being always being in a sport. My identity was I'm an athlete or, or you know, I'm in some kind of a sport. Like this is where my home is. And, uh, you know, for me, the, the battle for me to overcome was I was overdoing it. I was going super intense on every single workout. I was trying to kill everything. Uh, and that was something that, you know, stood out right away. Like once I started getting into your NASMs, once I started getting into, you know, integrative style training and, you know, learning about how to like, uh, address my joints in, in, in a proper way and like build integrity around the joints and, you know, get, get into more functional type movement patterns and, and all that kind of stuff. It really like, you know, transformed my whole approach to training and training other clients and all that. So, I mean, I, I basically, you had the same dogmatic approach too, where your, your thing <clears throat> was high intensity. You had to hammer your body. If so I was applying it to my athlete, clients. Athlete mentality. Yes. yes. And, and, and that's, you know, again, like I admit that because it, it, I, I was young and I, you know, this, this is the way that I understood things from an athletic perspective. Like, you know, you have to, it, it's, it's overcoming uh, you know, think like like forces against you. You're you have to overcome them, and everything is like this mental discipline driven, <laughs> uh, you know, pursuit. So yeah, like like Sal's mentioning the psychology of you know that's completely changed for me. I uh, remember the first year of being a personal trainer, and I was solely focused on being the top trainer. That was where I where I was heading. I wanted to be the best trainer, and what it took to be the best was who sold the most training. And I remember finally reaching that milestone and the, becoming the best trainer. And then I remember like looking at my clientele and going like, oh shit, only like 80% of my people or 80% of my people are not seeing results. Maybe 20% are seeing results. Out of that 20%, nobody's keeping it long-term. What am I really fucking doing? Am I really the top trainer? Am I really the best? But everyone's telling me I'm the best. I got trophies that say it, Yeah. you know? But the, and that was a wake-up moment for me like, wait a second, I'm celebrating on this. I was so focused on becoming that selfishly that I wasn't really paying attention to the advice and the information I was giving. I really wasn't that good of a trainer. I just, I didn't know that much. I knew a little bit more than they all knew and I could convince them of that. And I sold a lot of personal training. And I, I remember that weighing heavy on me once I reached like the milestone of being good and making money from it. It was like, Oh shit! Like now, I want to find the purpose in it. Now I want to actually help these people. This doesn't make sense. How can we J- keep them? JJ, when did you realize in fitness that most of the information that we're being told is bad? Wrong. <laughs> At one point, were you like, "Oh shit, this is all <laughs> bad information"? Well, the opposite, ah. right? It, you know, oh, what a growth, right? Personal growth. I mean, do your... you remember those moments? Yes. Right? Uh, oh, I. <sighs> I'm sighing. I'm like remembering. You're 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 triggering those <laughs> moments when I after my first NASM certification. And I say first because I took it. I took the standard and then I took the advanced and then I went back and I bet because you just don't learn science in a weekend. Mm. And at that time, back in 1997, it was science, a lot of science. And they were teaching physiology by drawing versus when Adam came out and it was interactive and they color coded it. And you can see electro and chemical processes happening, which made it easier to remember because it became functional and mechanical instead of chemical. And it was sort of like this idea in the sky. It took me like so many times to try to learn physiology. But when I came out of the first NASM certification and I understood biomechanics on a new level, oh, was I a bitch. 
I walked into the gym and wanted to challenge every man. You, you're doing every, it wrong. Every yeah. man with a weight every, belt. Right? Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Let me show you this. Oh. Let me, like let me show you this core exercise. Yeah. It's just going to break you, right? Yeah. <laughs> Can't stand on the physio ball. I, you know what's funny? I remember trainers doing that. Do you guys remember that? Because I, yeah. I managed gyms for a long time, and I remember trainers going off and taking these courses and coming back, and they're like, "I know everything now," and I'm like, "Calm down." <laughs> yeah. Not yet. It takes a long time before you. And the thing about certifications is. They, some of them do very good job of teaching you the science. NASM is excellent with that, especially when you go with the advanced certifications. But none of them really tell you how to become a great trainer. Because it's only one piece, which is yeah. why I started my show. Back to the original <laughs> question. Right. I started my show because it's you cannot focus on one piece and think you're going to be Not successful Not only is it one term. piece, it's the smaller piece of the two when you talk about when you talk about the psychological piece. And that took now that took me years to figure out. That's because here I am, chunk. here I am trying to become a better trainer. So now I'm getting more certifications, I'm getting smarter, and I'm like I'm applying all this stuff that I'm learning and I'm realizing that it's still not working. I'm still not increasing my percentage of people I'm helping because I'm still not addressing the root, the root issues, yeah. which is psychological. Yep. And that's what's driving all the behavior. And that was like, oh, shit. Like, all that other stuff? Right. We're not even ready for that yet. I like, wish we were- just would have measured, like, retention. You know, <laughs> like, like, how, like, am I still with this person? Am I still helping them? Are they still, uh, you know, progressing? Like, like, what am I doing in that direction? Like, am I really making an impact? Or am I not? Like we, like Adam said, it was like a competitive thing. Like I want to, I want to sell you. I want to get the most sessions out of you. Or like it was very like just that environment. I mean, it was great for learning business because like, and I, I don't take anything away from that process in the beginning because um, that's what I mean. Being a personal trainer, you're selling yourself always, and people are watching you. And um, there's there's a huge business uh, to what we do, and uh, and this is this is the this is what people need. So should, we should be even more passionate about selling it to people because they need it. Right. So, um, yeah, but you just realize that like, if that's your only focus, you know, there, there's a lot that's being missed. What's well, the question of why are they doing it? Mm-hmm. We could all write a perfectly balanced program, exercise, nutrition. Why don't they do it? Right. It's the psychological and emotional piece. It's a habitual understanding. It's the belief system and it's how they integrate it, whether they think it's separate and it's a diet mentality of it's something I do for a short period of time or how do I integrate this into my life? How do I make it fit? How do I make my life around this instead of do it on separately, which I could get rid of at any time? Mm-hmm. And so the integration is what I'm always interested in. And so I don't know when it started happening that I started asking those questions of why um, but I learned I got certified as a nutrition specialist back when that was legal. And uh, and so I've, now I have the, the exercise and I've got the food thing, but I'm still questioning people's motivation. I had a, a, a couple, well, I didn't have a couple. One of the male trainers in the gym had the husband and I had the wife. And I remember asking her, like we were, she was on a treadmill warming up and then we went to go do something and she wasn't really that interested and I could feel that. And I said, so She's like, yeah, I don't really care. I said, so why are you doing this? She goes, because my husband wants me to. And I was like, rah. Yeah. I wanted to say, well, then stop doing it. Because like, I <laughs> yeah. interpreted that. That can't be your motivation. Well, yeah. and, you know, in, in retrospect, because of where I was and where I am now. It was like, your own trigger, right? Right. It was my own trigger. I, it could have been that he actually just wanted her to be healthy. Sure. Yeah. And in right. that case, I wouldn't have been. So, but at the time, I took it as he wanted her to look good. Right, right. And mm-hmm. I was like, mm-hmm. not having that. I'm like, right. I would just quit if I were, you know, like I would demand that, you know, if you don't want to be here, then you shouldn't have to be here. Well, when, when you start looking at the psychological part, you start to realize that a lot of this stuff is deep. 
it's not like, oh, last year I heard this is the right diet. It's like I got shit that I'm dealing with that goes way back that's navigating the things that I – because most people, they don't – they have no idea why they're even – they think they know because they want to look a certain way, but it's all short-lived. If you're chasing an aesthetic goal or somebody else or a birthday or a wedding, like it's not going to last. You'll be right back the other way, man. I had a, a couple, a lesbian couple who I was training via Skype in, in uh, on a 90-day program. And they, from the beginning, in fact, there were like six other people, six other women on this on this program. And by the end of it, because I did it very different than they had done anything else, and they had been, they called themselves lifers. They, they were lifers. They'd been on every diet and exercise program, and they'd lost weight, then they gained weight, then they lost weight, and they gained weight. So now they're here. They're expecting me to weigh them in. They're expecting me to give them calorie counting, tell them the bad foods they can't eat. They're expecting me to actually mm. track their exercise. And by the end of it, they said, this, is, this has been like none, nothing else we've ever experienced. And now I realize that I didn't know I had emotional issues with food. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have emotional issues connected to why I either overeat or whatever. Like before that, they thought, oh, I just, I'm just not being good. I'm not. It's right. It's that shaming and judgment of, oh, right. I'm just not being good. This is good food. Punishment. This is bad food. Right? right. And so I just, I'm just not disciplined enough. Right. That's what some people think. Even people that have been doing this for a long time, they've been struggling. And so what I like to bring to the table is the conscious awareness of, okay, well, why? And, and where is the deeper part? And the fitness industry doesn't address that. Right. A, because most trainers aren't qualified to do that, of course, right? I'm not suggesting Fair. that trainers should be able to be a psychologist. You need to work on yourself first and learn something. But, but the fact that we're not integrating and asking those questions and referring people out as trainers in gyms, you know, well, what about this piece? And do you understand why you do this? You know, because you can move the needle with the food and the exercise only so far. But if they get triggered... They're going backwards potentially because if food is how they and lack of self-care is how they cope or or deny or repress their feelings, then you haven't solved that because you gave them a good workout. Really, really too, it's, you know, you have to appreciate if you're a trainer, you have to appreciate just how difficult this is for people. And I don't mean difficult in the discipline sense. I mean difficult in the even just knowing, just being aware of, you know, the connections to these things because... You know, I'll give you I'll give you a story. Uh, I I had a client who I was training, and I trained her like three days a week, and she wanted to lose weight, and she wasn't losing weight, and I knew why she wasn't losing weight, and because she was eating a particular way. And she comes in, or she sends me a message, and she says, "You know, my schedule is getting really busy, Sal. I think I can only start to work out twice a week." So I'm at this point, I'm a young trainer. I'm thinking like, "Oh, I'm gonna have a come to Jesus talk with you. Like, you're gonna go." And you're going to work out hard or I'm not going to train you anymore. Like, this is the only way. Yeah. And she comes in and I sit down with her and I basically hammer her and make her feel terrible. And she never comes back. She never comes back. And I felt proud of myself until I realized that I had done nobody any favors. I had done nobody any favors. In fact, if that woman had just come to the gym one day a week, that was one day more than she would have ever done on her own. And I, need, I didn't appreciate just how difficult the process of awareness is and how every step is a step. And I like to teach people that because when I talk to people about that and when I train people in that way, then, you know, I have, you know, I'll have clients will train me for two years, not lose a single pound. And then all of a sudden things start to click and then they lose 30 pounds, but it's the right way. And it's not a discipline thing. It's, whoa, this is just the way that I live now. And it becomes permanent it becomes it's just how they are it's getting getting harder before it's getting easier it's with the where we're at with being plugged in and being so disconnected from ourselves 
that's why this message is important. This message is important because it needs to be heard because eventually it will come back. Sooner or later, the pendulum's going to swing so far. And we're starting to see this. Kids that are like seven, eight years old having back problems. You have, you have, you go to now, I go in a restaurant, it blows my mind when I see this. And I see uh, sitting at some restaurant and all four, you know, mom, dad, and two kids, and everyone is just detached. Nobody, nobody is even present right now. And so this topic that we're talking about, it's going to get harder before it gets easier. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing a live event in January and I'm, and it's been interesting to hear some of the reasons why some of the tribe is like, Oh, I'm getting shamed by this, by my husband or by my parents about spending the money. Yet they, they crave the personal connection and they crave the experience, but they're, but with the limiting beliefs that stop them. And that's exactly why I'm doing it. And that's exactly why I want to continue doing it because we need it now. We are so disconnected. Like I love podcasting and I love podcasters and I think it's a way to bring people together, but it needs to come out from behind the mics and meet people in person. The relationships that I have with Josh and with Rob and, and these podcasters that I've been hanging out with this year is amazing. Why? Because we've all talked. We all know each other. Mm-hmm. We believe in concepts, but we're taking it to the next level of actually connecting in person and having this kind of energy, which is why this setup is great. Mm-hmm. But people we, people crave that. They don't even know they crave it because they want to be validated by knowing that other people are out there with the same struggles that they're having. Yeah. And here is this person as an example who's making it happen in this way. And, oh, I could learn from them. I know I can support them. And they can support me. I think that that the disconnection is an issue, but because of the disconnection, we're going to be craving more community. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's already, you see, yeah, it's you see like the rise yeah. in Spartan race. That's the reason why you see that stuff is because it give, it makes you feel again, yeah. muddy and dirty and pushing hard like that freezing cold water. I'm alive again. That's why it's on the rise. No one, no one wanted to do that shit 20 years ago. Right. 20 years ago, if you were <laughs> someone who got dropped in, you saw people doing it, you'd be like, what the hell? Mm. You know, working out and exercise wasn't even cool yet. So yeah. it's that's why it is. It's because it's the extreme. It's the it's the. Well, we all think that we're more connected now because of all the, the social media and everything else that, you know, you're... I and can, we are I can in a, have access we to are somebody's... We are in a virtual sense. Yeah, I can, have, sense I can have access to somebody's easy, right? I can get a hold of you, like, through any means, you know, text, email, whatever it is. And it, 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 it's just, we're finding out that that's not real. That's not a real connection. And so there's this, there's this gap there. There's this emptiness there that well, uh, it's we a, need it's, interaction. It's a real physically. connection. It's a real connection with a, a technology, it's for, with a tool. Yeah. You're connected to that. You're not connected to yourself right. or anybody else that's around well, you. Well, that's, yeah. That's and so how are you going to pick up on the, what your body's trying to tell you if you're not, if you're so disconnected from it? So right. yeah, we can use, we can use the same tricks and stuff and tools that the food industry has used on us to condition us in particular ways. You can use the same things for yourself. Uh, if we, if we think from an exercise standpoint, so we'll start with exercise and then we'll move to nutrition. If I'm trying to correct someone's posture, a bad way to do it would be to have someone, st- someone stand up and for me to tell them, stand like this, put them in position. This is good posture. See you later. Because posture is not something that's conscious. It's an unconscious thing. I have to change muscle recruitment patterns. I have to change how their body literally sits in an unconscious state so that good posture becomes very natural. The same thing is true with nutrition. It's no different. The same thing is true with exercise. It's no different. So how do we do that? Well, there's a couple ways you do that with exercise. One is you start to view exercise not as a punishment, uh, but as something you're doing because you love yourself and you want to take care of yourself. So what does that mean? Well, that means it looks different sometimes. It looks different for everybody. That means sometimes I'm going to the gym and I'm lifting weights because my body needs that and I'm taking care of it. And that means sometimes I go for a walk or sometimes I meditate. That will drive you to make better decisions than almost any coach or fitness you know, professional uh, will ever do. It's just that whole, I'm doing this because I love myself and I'm taking care of myself. And sometimes, again, sometimes it means you don't exercise and you go to the spa or you get a massage or you relax. 
When it comes to nutrition, the same thing. Use those same tricks. Uh, the food industry did a great job of connecting the dots for you when it came for, to particular foods. For example, you know, in the morning I wake up, I eat breakfast foods, eggs, bacon, milk. Uh, that's, they're just food, but we associate them with breakfast. So they've made that connection to us. So that's what I crave in the morning to eat for breakfast. Same thing with lunch, same thing with dinner, same thing with popcorn at the movie theater or whatever. Make those connections for yourself. Pay attention to how foods actually make you feel. Not just the taste, because that's one signal. Palatability is one signal that you can and you should pay attention and to. And it's been hijacked also, in most foods. And it's being hijacked by highly processed, highly palatable <clears throat> foods. But also pay attention to how foods are really making you feel. For example, I may not necessarily like the taste of vegetables, but I notice when I eat them, my digestion's amazing. My skin looks really good. I'm not bloated. I, I'm not blo- my I have infl- inflammation's down. I've got I slept really better. Good. My attitude feels great. I've got better energy. I seem to be more patient with my kids or whatever. Pay attention to those things. Make them conscious and eventually become unconscious signals. And you will actually start to find yourself craving those types of foods because you'll want those feelings. And the food industry has already been doing this to us for a very long time. So it is not a crazy abstract you know, uh, thought or process. It's literally, these, this is how the body works. And what you'll find over time when you do this is, because really the solution is this. The solution all boils down to this. If you enjoy exercising and you enjoy eating healthy, it's never going to be a problem. It'll always be something that you'll do. You'll never gain the weight back because I just love doing it. I mean, I have clients I've been working with for years. They'll go on vacations and we'll be texting, to, texting each other and they'll say, oh my God, I've been eating out for the last five days, I cannot wait to get home and cook myself some vegetables. Like this is what they're craving. Now, initially, it wasn't because they didn't like the taste of vegetables because, of course, if you compare it to a donut, that palatability is totally different. Well, initially, it was, feeling. initially it was I need, to lose, I need to lose this, this five pounds I put on on vacation. That's that, what it was driven by. And that, and that, and that is so short-lived. It's absolutely short. It's all, that's driven by hating yourself. And you can't hate yourself for very long. At some point, you're going to want to Stop hating yourself. You're going to go off it's the exhausting. wagon yeah. and you'll be like, screw that. I'm going to eat whatever I want. I'm sick and tired of hating myself and punishing myself. So that's it's really that mental shift. It takes time. Be patient with yourself. It's a little by little process. Don't give yourself these time goals, right? I need to lose 30 pounds by this wedding or whatever. I mean, I get that and you can do that as well, but don't give it. Just make those connections and watch what happens. And over time, it becomes something that's just, this is just the way I am. And it's the only way to do it long term. Unless you become orthorexic, in which case, that's not healthy either. So the second book is called Fit to Love, How to Get Physically, Emotionally, and Spiritually Fit to Attract Love of Your Life. Mm. And that book is all about changing the relationship with exercise mm. and changing it from a self-loathing to a self-love. What a great, what a great book to write. Same because page. I would walk into, you know, I live here in LA, mm. um, could go into any gym, any moment, and you can feel it's palatable. Who is there? Because they're doing this exercise because they actually love and respect themselves. And who is there on every step saying, I hate myself. I hate myself. I wish I was thinner. I need to lose time. You can feel it. Mm -hmm. And that was where the book kind of, I mean, it's my story, but it also encompassed what I really believed. And that was my brand. And that's, the show was based on that. The show was Fit to Love. Uh, physical, emotional, and spiritual fitness for the happy life you deserve. Mm. And that was the original show Mm. with that exact uh, goal of having people stop and examine Am I doing this because I don't like myself or am I doing this because I love myself? Because the more you come from the place, and like you said, it's going to look different every day. I'm dealing with a little bit of coming out of adrenal fatigue. So what, what my workouts have been this week? Walking on the sand. 
do a little earthing to reduce, do some inflammation. Yet I'm still in my zone because I have adrenal fatigue. But you know, it's not. But there's the oh, you should be lifting. Well, you need to. You need to first get some rest, and then right, when you that, come back from vacation. Because lifting is still another stress. And if you got all these other stress markers that are off the radar right now, lifting actually may not be the best thing. Absolutely. Right. Well, and, and I'm. It's. I'm, I never not do it for too long. Right. But you know, take a week or two off is is one thing because I'm so run down or I have so much to do and I'm going away. And but I love myself, and that means I'm not going to should myself into something that I think I should do because should should means that I don't have a choice. And most of us rebel against that kind of idea of shoulding yourself. And so I tell people, instead of saying should, replace with want. And if you don't want to exercise yet, say, what would it be like to want? I want to want to exercise. Uh, I want to want to exercise. And then eventually that'll become, I want exercise right. versus I should exercise. Right. And you'll find, I mean, the, the the irony of all that, by the way, and what's funny about because you'll you, we'll say that message and we'll we'll preach that message, and you'll still get people that'll go in one ear and out the other because they're so focused on wanting to change how they look. Like it's so like, listen, I just want to. I know if I look better, I'll feel better. I know if I lose weight, I'll feel better, which is false, but you can't convince them of that. Uh, I think with Jim Carrey, well, a lot of people don't know that they don't feel good. Right, but a lot of people think I feel good. Oh, I feel great. Mm. But you, you've just never felt what your body feels like at when it's running optimally. Yeah, it's, so it's running at its best. It's become adapted to what you've been doing to it for years. So yeah, it's, it's running pretty good for what you do to it. But watch what happens when you actually start to optimize it and pay attention. And so well, it's funny, that's the problem. I think Jim Carrey recently said, like, I wish everybody could be rich and famous so they can realize that that's not the answer. And it's, very, it's very similar with looking a particular way. But the irony of all this is if you do truly train and eat because you actually you caring you're caring for yourself, the physical representation of the effects of that are actually the way you want to look. So the irony is, if you do what we're saying, you're actually going to get the aesthetic and the cosmetic goals. If you don't do what we're saying and you just chase, I want to look a particular way, you will actually get neither. You will get neither. Maybe in the short term you'll get some of the cosmetic, but in a very short period of time, and I'm talking like literally, I've seen people go from hammering their bodies, looking like they belong on Instagram. Within a year, their body rebels, shuts off. All of a sudden, these people are coming. They're hiring me because, Sal, I, you know, the same routine I've always done. I'm eating this diet I've always done. My body won't respond anymore. Why am I holding on to 15 extra pounds? Why am I so tired? Like, why, do I, why is my hair falling out? Why do my libido gone? Like, what is going on? It's like, you know, you, you, if you chase that health aspect, if you chase taking care of yourself, you'll get the physical representation that you want, but it doesn't happen the other way around. And so I like to say that because I'm trying to sell the idea, but it's also true. So if you're listening and you're like, I don't care, I just want to look good, still do what I'm telling you. It's basic law of attraction. This is why I put that day in of the week on my sixth, my fifth day was Freedom Fridays, aka law of attraction. And it's my most popular rebrand of spirit, purpose, and energy. And it's because here's the law of attraction. When you energetically do exercise, with hate and self-loathing, you activate, so, do you think your body's gonna respond to that? You're gonna get more of what you focus on, which is that I'm trying to look a certain way, and again, you may manipulate part of that, but you're going, but it's never gonna be long-term because you're, you're activating that mm -hmm. connection, that vibration, which is not love. It's self-loathing, and so you're just gonna keep getting more of that. Your body's gonna say, F you, I'm not gonna change for you because you don't respect me. 
So it's literally a law that you are not at a frequency where you're going to get what you want because it's, you're not you're not activating that. Yeah, you're, you're down here. And you take it to the I mean you you take it even to the scientific level. We know this now. This 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 was woo woo what you're saying you know 20 or 30 years ago, but we know now for a fact that a literal thought or feeling can change the physiology of your body. We can Absolutely. measure this in real time yep. to where you think something, chemicals and hormones and responses and reactions change with the body. So when, when people say in the past, when wellness experts would say thoughts are things and they were laughed at by the medical community because it sounded like you know mystical, spiritual baloney, this science completely supports it now. Your thoughts are literal things in your body. So it's not a, a, you know, a baloney application. Something else I find that's very interesting on this topic is people will hear the message of love yourself and they will confuse it with uh, body acceptance, which then means, well, now I don't care. I'm not, I'm going to eat whatever I want and not move. Mm-hmm. And it's because I love myself and I don't care if I'm obese because this is the way I look and this is, I love it. And I, whatever, very, very different. That's not necessarily loving yourself, of course, uh, or caring for yourself. That's, uh, that's your, cause that, that's, there's body image and there's self image and you are accepting that your self image is good about yourself, but you can also have an objective body image and say, I'm not healthy right now. And I'm really not caring for myself. So although I accept and love myself, I'm not caring for myself. So, and I want to be clear with that because I, I can, I'm seeing now how this body acceptance movement is getting perverted by some people. To, and it, it looks like, Hey man, I'm not going to exercise. I don't need to do all that. I care. I love myself or I love the way my body looks or whatever. Hence dad bod and things like that. Yeah, and, and, and really what they're doing is they're also pushing, uh, it's the same thing, it's just different. They're pushing poor health to themselves by saying things like that or by doing those things. Not saying that you need to hate yourself, but you could be objective and say, you know, I do love and accept myself, but I'm not caring for myself from those places. And if I care for myself from those places, then I'm not going to be you know, 80 pounds overweight, I'm not going to have diabetes. I'm not going to have all these issues. So, and I like to cover that because it's an interesting, you see those two ends of the spectrum. Well, and my, my old self would have said to the person who said, oh yeah, I love myself. I'm not going to work out. I'm going to eat whatever one I'd say bullshit. And I'd want to uncover the re- the real truth sure, in sure. that. Cause right. that's just a, that's just a shield. That's not the truth. Sure. But the new me's like, whatever, that's fine. Go eat yourself into death. I don't care. It's your body. You can do what you want. And when you're ready, you'll know where I am. Yeah. <laughs> I'll meet you That's where libertarian, you. Libertarian. I'll right? meet. You, <laughs> I'll meet you where you are. You know, and as I've grown, I grow pretty quick, and like I love learning, and I try things out. And my clients aren't all on my, you know, same path necessarily, but I've tried to meet people where they are. Mm. And I have someone who I've worked with now for seven years, and uh, only recently did he tell me about uh, having an argument with his wife and he got in his car and he screamed. He said, thought of me and he screamed because he was upset. This is someone who represses all of his emotions and has had back pain for many years and had things, uh, you know, cortisone shots to his back to numb it. And and I've made jokes over the years when he'd have back issue. Oh, what, what happened today? Who triggered you today? Mm-hmm. Right. But it's that sort of aha. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of know what you're talking about, but I'm not really going to like dive there. And then he came in and he's like, I need to hit something. We need a box. I was like, <laughs> okay, what happened? And he told me, and he goes, I really, I get it now. And I was like, um, how long have we been doing this? <laughs> seven years. You know, it oh, took man. seven years. You know, what's funny about that when people laugh about, you know, pain and in, in, in their back, for example, and they say, and you, and you know, we'll tell them like, oh, it's, it, it, it could be emotional. It doesn't have to be a physical uh, cause of pain. The funny thing about that is when you have the, the people from the Western medicine community laugh at that, the irony is one of the prescri- one of the, the most popular off-label uses of prescription SSRI drugs is undiagnosable pain. So you go to the doctor with back pain and they do MRIs and stuff like that and they oh, nothing's wrong with you. They will actually think about prescribing you an antidepressant drug and in many cases, 
it helps. So yes, you could definitely feel just to elevate your mood. You could definitely feel physical representations of emotional pain, and it's all it's all the same. It's all the mm-hmm. same stuff. It's funny. I used to train uh, a lot of doctors and surgeons, and one of the surgeons uh, I worked with uh, when he first started his career in medicine, he was a pediatric surgeon, so he'd work on children. And he would tell me how he would do these major surgeries on these little kids, and within a couple of days, they're up and running around with stitches and stuff like that. And he's just like, it's hilarious because I do the most minor thing on an adult, and they're in bed they're taking bedridden. and yeah. they're taking 15 different yeah. pills for painkillers. And I go, and I told him, I said, why is that? Is that because kids don't? You know, feel whatever. He goes, no, it's because they don't know that they're supposed to be sitting in bed in super pain. He goes, it's a, so much of it is mental, and it's it's totally true, and it cracks me up. But yeah. when people debate it, like, no, uh, I'm sorry, but it's all connected. It's not just connected; it's actually all the same. Yeah, well, yeah. it's all the same. It's, it's, I find it funny that when you like a, an animal, uh, we 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 find a new species, right? Study it, its environment, where it's its sleeping patterns, what it hunts, like its exercise, its muscle, its physiology, its metabolism. Like we study everything about it, where what part of the earth it's from, and the light exposure that they right, get. Yeah, right, right. Temperatures. But, you know, a, a, the human body comes in for work to the doctor, and it's like one person with one specialty in one area of the body is the one giving you this advice, and it's like it's all one system. How can <laughs> yeah. you not take into consideration They're just chasing the symptoms? All the other things. It's like, and we've modeled so many things after this, like the vehicle, a car is a perfect example. It's like if you came into the, the pulled in and you saw a specialist just for exhaust, but your belt, your timing belt is off, your tires are flat. And he's like, I got you. Fix your exhaust. It's like, OK, well, what about all the other <laughs> shit? Like my car's still going to run like shit yeah. if yeah. you do that. Our bodies are the same way. We're all we're treating like one part of the entire system. What, what have been some of your biggest personal challenges with fitness? Changes? As you've done, because you've been doing this for a while. And I, I noticed when I meet other uh, personal trainers who've been doing it as long as we have or the passion that we have for it. A lot of our growth and learning comes from our own personal growth and learning through this process. What have been some of the biggest challenges for you? Challenges in information, challenges with clients, challenges for your own with- personal fitness, nutrition, like, or your own personal challenges with any of that that you've grown through and it's applied to your clients. Can you identify? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I, I had to think about that for a second because you know it's this it, yeah, like stages. a lot of data. As I say, it's probably stages, yeah. right? I'm like, where was I then? Okay, yeah. so it like the like I mentioned, sort of the ego driven. I'm right, you know. Remember, I, I just learned science for the first time, and I'm like, uh-huh. I'm good at science, and you guys are idiots <laughs> for doing okay, right? And so I come in and I'm rah, you know, wanted to play testosterone game. Um, so it's been the identification of self worth through clients. Uh, getting results or them listening to me, hmm. which I think for any service provider, you come up with your information and you present to them and you tell them, this is what I think you should do, or this is what you should do, whatever. And then they don't do it or they go backwards. And it's whether you take that personally or not. And I think a lot of people maybe have, maybe might feel embarrassed if their clients aren't getting results. Right. And now mind you from the place of what you're talking about before, if you didn't know anything, it didn't matter, right? But if you have all the best information and someone's still not doing it, do you take that personally? And there have been times through this one client I just mentioned who for seven years, uh, it's taken this long. There have been moments of very like real frustration for me because I have a desire to help. I have a lot of tools in my toolbox and I don't like to see people suffer more than they need to. And one, you know, back surgeries or being out for so long or, you know, being frustrated when I'm like, here, I have the tools for you. Um, So it's really coming to peace with and understanding everyone's journey and being able to accept that I'm a part of your journey. And for some people, I'm a bigger part of your journey. And for some, I'm not. And to be okay with whatever that means. And to every time I'm triggered in whatever way to make that about me and not about them and to say, what is it about me? So You know what's interesting about that? It completely parallels parenting. 
Oh my God, yes. Exactly what you're talking about. Absolutely. Your kids are here to teach you. It's not the other way around. Yes. Yes. And once you realize that, you're going to be way better off. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's been such a learning process for me. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I totally have that same thing. Oh, I know so much and don't do, do this. Way. And then you're trying to create all these like barriers and, you know, safety nets. And you're like, they have to learn it. They have to learn it. And they have to also, like, you have to pull back and you have to let them come to you. Which one of you was it whose child when you got out of the car to go raw with the kid that threw well, against the... Sal. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah that was Sal. Your, your son? Yeah, yeah. that was yeah. my son. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. See, I would have been like, you are so smart. Yeah. Like, because mm-hmm. I heard that and I thought, good for your kid. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. <clears throat> he called me out and yep. I, I mean... Totally I, called you out. Call, called me out and I had to like, I had to go with it. What a great ego check, I'll tell you. Yep. Totally. Kids will do that. So in the past, how would you ha- handle clients who challenged you that way and then how did you handle them after? What was the difference? Would you get mad at them and be like, "No, you got to do it this way"? So I, so I had a, a cele- break them off I in a ha- session I or something. Ha- I had a celebrity client who he would go away on set uh, to film something, and he comes back and he would tell me, "Oh yeah, I worked out with this in this gym, and whether it be with a trainer or not." And I was, I was punching with weights, and I went, "Okay." And I thought about that, and then when he, after I left him, I called him on the phone and I left a message, and I was like, "You know, I love you. I think you're great." I said, "But." Yeah, when you tell me you're punching with weights, it tells me you're not listening to anything I'm saying. And that's cool. You don't have to think I know anything. Maybe it's because I'm a girl. Maybe it's because I'm not an athlete. Maybe it's because I'm not a bodybuilder. That's fine. I accept that. I go, but maybe I'm not the right trainer for you because because really you're not getting hurt on my watch when you go somewhere else and you're doing stupid shit so great. You you just, him the just Jesus right there. we all went through this yeah. you launch yeah. people <laughs> boom right yeah. celebrity client I'm like nope I don't care who you are your shit your shit still stinks I'm you're you no know. I go so I love you um, but maybe I'm, maybe I'm not the right person for you he calls back he's like no 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 no, okay, it's fine I won't do it again I was like, <laughs> I was like yeah do you are you listening to me? Mm-hmm. So there are times where you know I'll I release people or I say it's not a fit because of where we are and the gap is too wide. Yep. And I have said that to people before. I want I mean I'm at that place right now. I'm moving into a membership model and some people don't want all of it. You know I'm like you know what I've been frustrated for years because I'm using this much of my talent. You're getting this much, right. and I want to do more. Now that's partly about me. I need an outlet to feel that, so I'm not going to blame. Like people don't have to work with me in all ways in order for me to feel good. That's not how that works. But if I see that, you know, you you, what bugs me the most, I'm sure all of you can agree. Um, when someone says they want change, but they're not willing to do anything towards that change, or you you could identify places where they get stuck, but they really really want change, and they tell you, "Oh, I've tried it millions of times." Well, but you haven't. You didn't do it, yeah. right? How much do you want change? Right. So that bugs me when people I, when people come and they want change. I can give you change. Mm. Get on board. I can give you change. I got a step by step process all laid out for you for five months that you're going to get change. And if not, you're going to at least identify exactly where you get stuck. Yeah, that that used to really bother me so much. And then I started realizing that I need to meet, if I'm going to benefit the client at all, I have to meet them where they're at. That's the only way to do it. And am I providing any value to them? If I'm providing some value to them, then I'll, I'll hang around. I'll be honest with them and I'll tell them like, hey, look, you know, John, you, you keep eating the way you're eating. You're going to keep feeling the way you're feeling. But, you know, you're still meeting with me twice a week. We're still exercising twice a week. We're getting some benefit there. So let's just continue doing that. And at some point, if you have questions, then I'll help you with the other stuff. If you don't, that's okay too. But at least, and I know that I'm giving them some value. But in the past, it was a problem. Like, no, you got to do it this way or I'm not going to help you at all. And doing that, I would lose clients. Not only would I lose clients, but the clients 
would not go any. They wouldn't get any, any of the benefit of the exercise, and many of them would just stop. This is why I love the podcast, though, because to that point, like as far as people not even really wanting to change or really make the effort, if you're not like I, we have so many episodes now. We have six hundred and sixty or something, four hundred YouTube videos. There's I don't know how many blogs are floating around. We have talked about this. <laughs> you know, yeah. I have talked about what your it's issue is, there. and I'll send you in the direction to go read or listen. Mm-hmm. And if you're not even willing to make that step, like then you're not ready. I yeah. mean, it's it's you're up not, to you. You're not ready. And a lot of people won't do that. They'll they'll ask you for stuff, and it's like yeah. okay. Then you point them in the direction, and they won't even take that first step. It's like oh, you're nowhere near uh, ready. Uh, I definitely meet people where they are when they're coming to me, and they know who I am and what I do. Mm-hmm. But I'm too expensive for people to just, for me just to babysit. Sure. I'm not interested in that. Sure. It doesn't serve me. Your integrity, you don't want to take their money if they're not <clears throat> no. really yeah, getting any help. Right. And it's not my way or the highway. With that client, I was more concerned about like, do you understand your shoulder joint is the, the joint that gets injured the most? It's the least stable joint in your body and it's the most injured because people do stupid stuff. You're th- and, and that was more of a, I didn't say, you know, I don't give him workouts to do when he's off doing other things. It's not that controlling. It's just the idea of you're not listening that I give, I care about your joints and I care about the longevity of your joints that you don't get injured and that you're not wearing down cartilage unnecessarily because I'm about preservation as well as efficiency, not right. just do it and work hard. They go hand in hand. They do because, you know, all the people doing some exercises are going to feel their joints probably in a couple of years and, and they don't need to because you can get the same benefit doing an exercise that doesn't wreck your joints. So I'm looking down the line, you know, do you guys remember Larry Parasino, Lenny Parasino? Oh right? God, that's <clears throat> the old school, right? Right. So Lenny, at my first or second NASM certification, and I can I don't can't say that to many people, so that's why I thought I'd ask you. Um, I was sitting in the audience, and he got up and to do his physiology talk, whatever he was talking about at the time, and he said, "I have eleven injuries. Don't do what I did." And I went, "Okay, <laughs> okay, I won't do what you did." And that's all I needed to hear. I'm like, I get it. Exercise in a in a way that wrecks your joints, and you'll have injuries, and you'll have to compensate for that in the future. Yeah. Sooner or later, the don't, body will let you know. Don't do stupid shit. Uh, learn something, use science, and there you go. Yeah, and, the, and you know the thing when it comes to movement, the the, the one of the things, uh, the paradigm shattering moments for me was really realizing that you your body is capable of what it's capable of doing, and that can change. That can change. Where for most people, uh, you know, a, a a shoulder press with a bar behind the back behind the head is probably not good for your shoulders. But some <laughs> for some people, they have the stability, they have the joint integrity, the they have the recruitment patterns, the mobility. To where that's absolutely fine. Now, not all exercises are created equal. Some exercises you could be looser with than others. Some exercises, if you're loose even a little bit, and you're probably going to hurt yourself. But it was for me, it was like, wow, like there really isn't like I mean, I'm sure there are, but for the most part, there aren't exercises that are just bad and ones that are just good. It's what is your body capable of doing, and as that changes, your the exercises that are right for you can also change. So it's funny because I used to tell clients like, don't do this or don't do that. And now I'm watching them move and be like, well, you have the stability and the movement patterns to be able to do that. And if we train that, then you're able to do that particular movement and we do it in a smart way. And you get like real world uh, mobility, real world f- uh, functionality. Well, I shared do- that. I remember when I shared that journey, that was what, two years ago when the shoulders, remember, I could 225 shoulder bodybuilder shoulder press over my head, but I couldn't take the 45 pound bar and bring it behind my head. And because I just did not have the shoulder, I was so anterior dominant. And so here I am, this big meathead bodybuilder guy in there with just a bar 
Yeah, behind your neck. Yeah, <laughs> just working on the movement. Like I'm not trying to build a bunch of huge muscle, but as a byproduct, my muscles are going to build and I'm going to feel a lot better and I'm going to protect my joints. But we have a really hard time making that connection. And again, I keep going circling back to the being so disconnected from ourselves because it's getting worse. Oh worse. my God, disconnection from the body is, is crazy. I do something that I can't even explain. Like I have to show people. This is why I had to do video. And I don't know if you guys do it. I know I worked with a, I did a video podcast with a trainer. He was like a military guy and he was getting into training and we were talking about this. And by the end of it, he's like, can you coach me? I was like, "Uh, yeah, it's about Russell recruitment, but it's about neurological muscle recruitment. It's about actually thinking about the muscle so that you're activating more motor pattern, more muscle fibers and motor units. And, but it's that really honing in on only pulling from where the muscle inserts and originates. So for instance, abs, right? Most people like lift their head, they use sure, their neck sure, and their sure. shoulders. I, when I teach people how to actually recruit from the ribs and pull themselves up as if and focus on the fact that they're being pulled Lumbar into a crunch, they are not, right, mm-hmm. they're being pulled into a crunch by here. I make them exaggerate as if their rib cage is moving first and they're literally dragging their heads. So they can go, this is what moved me. Not this, not this, I use this. Sorry, this is a podcast and none of you know what I pointed to. Um, but, She's but, putting in her big toe. Right. No, 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 no. This is why I had to do video. My first book was about abs and I was like, oh, I don't want to write this book. Don't no, I? you're addressing a, a big thing that I'm passionate about. And that's something that uh, has led me in that direction of like, you know, to bring the awareness back to that neuromuscular recruitment and, yeah. and like what's favorable. What are the favorable patterns? Like where where do we want to focus on and what are we doing constantly? What's your day look like? You know, what, what are the movements that you're doing all the time repetitively and you're, you're getting this position you're you're creating like your posture you're creating how you move every day all these things happen as a result of you know this constant repetition and so you know how do we address that in a way where now let's add you know a different routine let's add a different ritual that that will complement you better and, and make you more you know balanced in and activate uh, stabilizing muscles that 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 we want to bring into these movements as well your your body gets really good at what you do a lot of so mm-hmm. if i take if I take a woman, uh, you know, uh, modern, you know, Western woman who walks around in high heels all day long, and I take a modern hunter-gatherer, and I have them put their feet next to each other, their feet will look completely different. They'll, pull, they'll both probably be disgusted with each other's feet because it doesn't look like their own. But the woman who walks around in high heels all day long, her foot and her recruitment patterns in her body has completely morphed and adapted to walking in those heels. And if she took those heels off and walked around barefoot all the time, she would experience pain. She would experience discomfort all the way up the kinetic chain to you know knees, back, hips, and you name it. And if I took that hunter-gatherer and I put them in a high heel shoe and had them walk around, they would experience pain going all the way up the kinetic chain. Mm-hmm. Your body gets very good at what you practice very efficient. And, and what you do. And, it, and that's really the basis behind correct, correct exercise. And just like if I were teaching a hunter-gatherer to walk in heels without pain, we wouldn't go from flat feet all the time to heels all the time. We would slowly progress you to be able to do that. Not that we'd want to, but in the same vice versa. It's like that. That's like the the barefoot movement when that started happening with running and stuff like that. All of a sudden, you all these runners are like, "Oh my god, okay, I read this I'm book on barefoot myself. running. We're supposed to run barefoot. I'm gonna just run barefoot from now on, and I'm gonna feel awesome." And then all of a sudden, <laughs> they had foot injuries and ankle injuries. It's like. Hold on a second. It went from moon shoe to like barefoot. You don't know how to run barefoot. First of all, let's slowly progress you through. And that approach with exercise has completely revolutionized my approach to how I train people and how I recommend exercise. Once you understand that, you can see that exercises are not the end. They're a means to the end. And once you utilize them in that way, man, the body responds 
And so with such incredible ways. Right. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Uh, with your audience, where do you, what do you find the biggest or the most common questions that are asked of you? Like, or do you get a lot of questions that tend to be repeated to you where you, you need to kind of hammer home particular messages? It's, you know, it's that integration piece. It's the food piece. It's the exercise piece. It's, you know, if I only have so much time, what's the best thing for me to do? Or if I'm trying to, you know, people have their sort of limiting beliefs and excuses about being able to eat healthfully or I, I, I eat out a lot. And so what can I do there? Or, oh, it's really challenging to... Um, to have to cook for myself. I'm not going to cook for myself. So how do I how do I figure that out? So I find that when it comes to the nutrition side and the, and the exercise side, the releasing weight side, there has a lot to do with integration and how do I how do I fit this into my life so that I'm not overwhelmed. That's a big piece. How am I not overwhelmed? How am I, how does it taste good? How do I not have resistance to it? And the exercise piece as well, depending yeah. on if they're working out with me or not. It's getting it in at a time that makes sense. It's about putting it with some other thing in their life so that it's not, again, that separate mentality of put it in as a routine that couples with something else you're already doing. So that way it becomes part of your habitual daily routine versus it's something extra that you're trying to find time mm. to do. Yeah, and mm. you know, one thing that I like to communicate to people also is, when when you devote time, now of course there's a, there's a, you know you can take this to the extreme as well, which isn't good. But if you devote time to taking care of yourself with exercise, you'll actually get more time back. Not just in longevity, not just because you live longer, but literally you'll find that you're able to do more things during the day. It's a it's a it's not a one to one trade off. It's it's in, in business they call it trading dimes for quarters. Like if you have advertising that costs you a dime and you get a quarter for every dime that you spend, you're gonna spend all your money on it and get tons of you know you're gonna keep making money. With the body, with time that you have during the day, if you're busy with your kids and you find like oh my god, how do I find time to exercise? If you devote a little bit of time to making yourself feel better through exercise, you'll find that you actually become much more efficient. You'll have more energy to do the things that you do. You'll be in better mood. You actually become much more effective whatever you are. Mm -hmm. It's one of the first things. It's funny. It was one of the most shocking things is when I first became a trainer, when I trained these business people and they, they'd be like, you know, they would always tell me like, it's so tough to find the time to exercise. And then they'd finally say, okay, I'm going to devote X amount of days to working out. We would start working out. They'd be consistent. And they'd tell me, it's really weird, man. Like I'm actually better at work now. Like I'm working less time but I'm much more effective and efficient at work because I feel better and I have more energy. I discovered that with meditation. It was like, you know, I hated sitting down for 10 minutes to meditate because it was 10 minutes of nothing in my mind. Like I'm sitting here doing nothing. I've got so much stuff to do, right? Even though I'd spend, you know, an hour and a half on Instagram sometimes. So, but I would do these, you know, these 10 minute, yeah. you know, meditation sessions every day. And I found that by, you know, whereas before, up until the time I went to bed, I was busy doing stuff because I had things to do that I actually had like two hours left. Uh, at the end of the night where I finished everything all of a sudden. I'm like, what's going on here? I'm becoming much more effective at what I'm doing. I love to to sell that message to people because it isn't a sacrifice. You're not necessarily getting rid of, you know, devoting all this time and now you've lost that time. You get a lot of that back in energy, effectiveness, efficiency. Companies know this now. Yep. Uh, per, companies know this. Now. I, when I used to manage gyms for Twenty Four Hour Fitness, we, we, we they God, would it was so studies. hard to get corporate accounts. Remember how hard corporate accounts were back in the days because they just weren't that, that we weren't thinking that way twenty years no. ago. No, and they know now. Companies know now that when now if, most of, all your best companies have got a gym built in it, and they if, have a, a training team that's there. They know if you exercise and eat right, it's better on their bottom line because yeah. you're a more efficient. More effective employee, you're healthier, you cost less Lower money in health care, you're, yeah. you're absent less, like you've got a better attitude. Productivity so goes up. Really, awesome. if you're the kind of person that's like, I'm super busy and you want to optimize your life, 
your health is the biggest player in that, and you optimize your health, you will optimize. JJ, your what do you think? Life. What do you think about uh, where do you stand on like counting, like tracking, and all your tools that are out there for macros? And that- well, I love Josh to death. <laughs> it drives me nuts. Yeah. Um, it drives me nuts because it's not. I don't want to be tied to a device. I don't need the data. Although, mind you, I, on my walk today, I did wear my heart rate monitor, uh, and I have you know this, and I had the chest strap on, and I and I just just for information, I don't. I can plug into my computer and uploads, but honestly, I've never looked at it. If I ever want to know, I can look. But um, I, I think that again, meeting people where they are. Some people that's very motivating. Uh, but I, I want to tend to be careful because there are people who have control issues and it, it it feeds into that control issue. And again, I have a chapter in the book called Divorcing the Scale. And it's that idea that we keep putting our self-worth and, and giving our power away by a device or by a number on a scale or by our body fat percentage or by whatever that right. we then associate that that's our self-worth. And I'm trying to disconnect that and tell people only get on the scale when you feel good. You right. look in the mirror, you like what you see, that's when you get on the scale because you know what? You haven't given your power away yet. And you can then decide it's just a number and pass that. If you want to go track your progress to make sure what you're doing is working, then you make sure you do all the numbers. You do the body fat right. percentages, you do the circum, you do the uh, circumference. measuring the circumference measuring but you don't just step on the scale because you could have lost or gained muscle fat or water and we're not getting a real number here we so we find that those tools of tracking um, are abused very very heavily in the cosmetic aesthetic based com- competitive world where you have bikini competitors physique competitors bodybuilders stage presentation athletes who track so religiously that they get so orthorexic about it to where if they have days where they don't track it becomes either binging, panic. It's binging. I go crazy off, or they panic and freak out. I actually think I think all the everybody's doing all the wrong things. <laughs> it's the people that are doing all the tracking. They need to stop. For they a need second. a break free because they're they're attached to that. Yeah. The ones that aren't need some of it in their life. Yes. And the same yeah. thing goes with for awareness, right? And yes. consciousness, yes. And understanding so, what they're doing and what they're not doing. Yes. And, say, yes. and the same thing applies to the way you train, even like. The, there's, there is a place for intensity. There is a place for, you know, challenging your body. Yeah. But typically the people that gravitate to that are also the people that have high stress jobs, not mm. sleeping very well. And then they're hammering their body in the gym. No, you need to go fucking med- meditate a little bit. You need some yoga in your life. You need to go for a walk every now and then. And then you got the other side, the crunchy hippie people that are just, all they're doing is meditating and walking. And you mm. could probably use a little bit of beast mode in your life. You need a little bit of intensity. So all of, everyone's doing all the wrong things. And if we could just... Like to have a little bit of detachment and perspective and go like, okay, you know, we all kind of tend to gravitate to what have I been gravitating towards so much and what could I use more of in my life? One of the things that you had mentioned uh, about adrenal fatigue, right? Or some people call it HTPA axis dysfunction or one of the hallmarks of that, one of the, one of the symptoms of that or issues of that is, uh, or, or is cortisol resistance. Cortisol resistance um, in low levels, really, and by the way, this is not controversial, your body can actually become resistant to anything that it has high levels of. It'll downregulate receptors, it'll alter other hormones so that your body no longer gets this crazy effect from whatever it is that's too high. And in this case, in many times, it's cortisol. Now what happens when you get to this state of whatever you wanna call it, adrenal fatigue, HP axis dysfunction, or you know cortisol resistance, when you start to get this, the symptoms of cortisol resistance where you start to get excess fatigue, I need lots of stimulants to get myself to feel more energy, one of the things that this is us. Drives, this is us right now. Yeah. One of the this things, is us right now, and we're all going to be home tomorrow. We're going to get on a plane after this, yeah. and you better believe none of us will be in the gym tomorrow morning hammering our body. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's and, no and, way because we're already frying. We know we're pushing the limits right now, so we're human too. Like we well, we flirt really with these boundaries the all stress, the time, right? And and the, the step is just becoming aware. Of and that. and like, what it does when you start to have some of this cortisol type resistance is it actually drives your behavior. So like Adam was saying, with the type A high stress individual who gravitates towards just super intense workouts and they love the way they feel right after that workout and this is what I need. And I'm it like, brings oh, that so temporary relief. It brings them temporary relief because what does it do? It spikes the shit out of cortisol. It's, it's, and so it's just like the guy who's insulin, you know, they're, they're insensitive to insulin. They get insulin crash. They get temporary relief from eating a high sugar diet. Right. Mm-hmm. This individual gets a temporary relief from the high cortisol type workout and so when you talk to these people in the state and I tell them, you know, you look, you're type A, you're high stress. Right now we need to do these, you know, yin yoga or we need to do these workouts that are very low intensity. They're like, they don't feel good. The yeah. high intensity ones make me feel good. Feel so unproductive. It's because yeah. those are the ones that are squirting out more cortisol, kicking the can down the road. And the and answer isn't to stop doing what you're doing and do the complete opposite and then get addicted to that and then identify with that. It's just learn how to weave in and out of the two. And knowing and when, 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 which is the right one to use at that particular time. And yeah. the why. And the why. Why are you doing it? Which because it's always, why should always be to, to be better, right? To feel better, to be a better human. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, everybody's why technically should, we were trying, we're all trying to evolve, right? We're all, as a species, we're, I think that's everybody's why. I think it just takes some people longer to get to that. Yeah. Well, you, you are going to manifest whatever is going to put, you know, stop you or your body's going to say, you know what, I'm done and I'm going to crash and you're not going to have any choice in this because you haven't listened to me. I've been giving you signals and now you haven't listened. And so I'm going to take over and I'm going to put you down. Right. But what the why is what I mean, sort of the type A adrenaline junkies have control issues. One of the things mm. that I address that's different, I think, in the book and in my program and what I talk about is, is identifying your addiction because we all have them. So let's get real and call it what it is because someone who's that type A who doesn't know how to slow down that can only do high intense workouts is addicted to the adrenaline. Why? What are you trying to avoid? How come you can't sit in your body? How come you can't listen to your thoughts and your feelings because they're too afraid of what they'll feel? So anything that we do that avoids, like so smoking, drinking, working out too much is an addiction. Of course. Right? I mean, bodybuilding can be an addiction, right? Just like anorexia, right? Can be. It mostly Yeah, is. I know. I, I wanted to be respectful yeah. of it. No, you know. no, you're talking to one. You know, that was, this is what, why I did it and why I sh- wanted to share with people is when you get back there and you find out, these are all the people in the cover magazines giving yeah. out all the information. They have some of the worst body image issues. Yes. They have some of the most, po- they have the worst relationships with food. They have the worst relationships with exercise and they're the ones giving the advice. Yeah. It's worse there. I've trained thousands of people in my career. So I've seen all kinds of poor relationships with exercise and food. And it's worse in the bodybuilding community. The ones that are the so-called experts on fitness. That I've seen anywhere else. Yeah. It's crazy. (laughs) It's depressing is what it is. Well, like you were saying about body, about self-care and and taking care of yourself versus, you know, it's, we have to go back to understanding that who who doesn't know a beautiful, good-looking person who's miserable and depressed? I mean, right? That's not logical. And that's how I start out with Fit to Love to say, you know, you, why do you want to lose weight? Why do you want to look this way? Is it because someone else is going to give you attention or because you're going to like yourself? Or is it because for me, why I, you know, after Lenny did his scream about his joints, I saw my future and went, I don't want to have pain. I see people walking down the street who are in pain walking down the street because they didn't take care of their body and they had the opportunity. Everything we do now is an investment in our future mm. when it comes to our body. Mm. And while you can make more money, you can get a new car, you're not going to, you can replace your joints, but it's not optimal, right? Cutting into our skin is not optimal for the nerve damage and things that have to happen. So we don't, we're giving one set of joints and the conversation of, 
what, what bugged me in the beginning of personal training was back in that day, I don't know if you guys remember, there was like that NASM versus ACSM mm-hmm. thing that was going on, right? And Clinical AC- versus right. more sports. Right. Yeah. And ACSM was about the physiology. Yeah. And, 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 but yet there was about endurance training and, and they were so sort of anti-resistance training, right? And versus NASM to me or Tom was very much about biomechanics. Mm-hmm. And so which comes first, the chicken or the egg? To me, it's the biomechanics has to come first because you get one set. You can rebuild muscle. It may not be optimal, but you're only going to get one set of joints. And if you wreck them doing stupid exercises, you're going to stop exercising because it hurts. Mm-hmm. So why not take care of the tr- of the structure? And then you can have the physiology after you well, take care of the structure. Well, there's prerequisites, right? And I think we just, we just skip right past all the prerequisites to like, you know, do I even have the capacity to produce, you know, types of forces through this joint uh, at that, you know, acceleration? Can can I even do that in a safe way? And I think that uh, we just don't even think about that because we just think about what we're not doing and what, you know, what kind of exercising I should be doing just based off of like what's out there and what's marketed to us, like your P90Xs and, and these type high intensity type workouts that, uh, you know, your, your neighbor or somebody else is doing, somebody's recommending to you. Um, but yeah, it's, but that's always it. It's like, how can you get people to think long-term earlier? Yeah. And and, and it's just, it's such a, it's something that's always going to be a struggle. And that's, that's something that's, it's really hard to really get somebody into that. I think we're all going to have to wake the fuck up in the next, the next five to 10 years. We're getting, we're speeding up fast. I mean, when you start seeing kids, uh, with the autoimmune issues, the posture issues, we're accelerating really quick. Oh, we're, it's getting crazy. we're supposed to be evolving, getting smarter, more information, more more, more technology out there, but yet we're getting worse as a, a human species. Like it, we, just like the smoking, when everyone was, smoking was cool thirty years ago, you know. Right. And if now, if someone lit up right next to you, you would freak out. I think this we will eventually get well, to that it, point it has where to. You, you'll see somebody eating a certain way and it'll be like and, and we'll, it, there'll be growing pains there'll be people shaming at first and then there'll be a pushback on that we're going through that right now but eventually it'll be like you'll kind of see people have to each their own but it's, it's they crazy. obviously don't love themselves it's crazy right now the greatest threat to uh, modern western societies is uh, the is insolvency due to poor health that's actually a fact the biggest investment we talk about debt right politics there's so much debt whatever the greatest expense that we have is actually towards healthcare, and it's only going to get worse and grow to the point where no amount of taxation, no amount of investment will cover the cost, and you, we will see the decline and destruction of Have our you heard Chris Kresser talk I about this Chris before? Kresser, yeah, oh, that's, that's a great scared interview all with him. Yeah, yeah. He, no. he believes that we'll, we'll eventually, medicine is what we'll- We're going to bankrupt. Mean, yeah. Oh, no. If, if it, it's, uh, we're on that path. We're 100% on that path, and if things don't reverse and change and, and there's good look at I tell you what there's good news and of course there's a lot of good news there's you, I'm, I'm starting to see some changes I'm seeing now parents actually are feeding their kids a little bit better than our kids were fed when I was a kid oh yeah um you, There's schools that I mean, we were, who was just interviewing yesterday, the day before, that has the kid in school that's all that serves in all. Oh, rich roll yeah. uh-huh. and all organic. They have a school that plant based, kind of organic, and yeah. it's it's because people that didn't become, exist 20 years ago. No, so we, no. we we are we're heading that way, and I think the I Hopefully think this, it's not too late. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're all we're all trying. I mean, I did a spot on San Diego TV back in September, and it was on Focus Foods for Kids and about how to get kids to focus. And one of the first things that I talked about was that it's about what we're obviously in our foods. And the first thing I mentioned is dye. Dyes actually are proven to reduce your child's IQ. Yeah. Yet it's in every drink. Ugh. It's in every snack food. It's in Thank every you Gatorade. Right. Yeah. Oh my God, Gatorade! Don't get me started. It's Gatorade. one of the number one triggers. I bash them all Wait, time. I thought Gatorade's <laughs> organic this week. What is it? Oh, they oh, just came out with organic. 
Oh, yeah. right. oh good. Everything's That's good. dye free. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It looks like a red bottle, but we'll yeah. see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, well, you know, but I think we're doing what we can, right? Yeah. That's why you have a five day a week show. That's why I have six different shows. Uh, we're trying to get the word out and spread the word out because some people just don't know that they're not asking those questions. There's always going to be the bell curve of consciousness, yeah. right? And so all we can do is to do the best we can, give people information. I think podcasting is a great way to do it because if they don't like you, they don't listen, right. and yeah. you're not trying to be forceful and force people to like do something. Yeah. They'll like you or they won't. And then we get to be the examples because what will be very clear in those times is who's living well and who's not. Oh, yeah. Our healthcare system is not healthcare, it's sick care. But functional medicine is, is, is on the rise. It's starting to grow. It's mm-hmm. on the rise. Mm-hmm. I just saw some, another physician. I, I work in a medical uh, clinic with a, a functional medicine physician and a nutritionist and uh, who are both paleo and keto and and uh, they went to a book launch for a doctor who wrote a book called Your Doctor's Wrong. And I was like, yes! Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got to get that book! Title. Your Doctor is Wrong! I got to get that book. Mm. Um, so I think that we are, It's but that's always how evolution and expansion happens. There has to be contrast in order for us to have absolutely. a reason a to go against it. Absolutely. Right. absolutely. Right. It's, a it's coming. Well, we could talk forever. Yes. Unfortunately, yeah. we have to go here in a little bit, but we got to do this again, for sure. Yeah. Yes. If please. you're ever up in the San Jose area. Yeah, do you ever go up the Bay Area ever? I can come up. I've got friends up. I can come up just to talk with you guys. I yeah. don't have to have it. Doesn't Absolutely. have to be a Absolutely. excellent. We'll, we'll set yeah. something like that. But yeah, thanks for sitting down Great. and talking with us. Yeah, yeah thank excellent. you guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at MindPumpMedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes Maps Anabolic, Maps Performance, and Maps Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.